Hello and welcome to the latest episode of The Platform. I'm Callan Davison from The Game Train and joining me on The Platform this week is Dan Simmons. How are you? Good, thanks. How are you doing? Yeah, going all right. Going all right. So, you are a collector of sorts. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. That's yeah. why we've got you on, on the show this week to talk about your video game collection. Yeah. Or one that's like grown and shrunk over the years. Yeah, it's had a few evolutions. <laughs> yeah. As they do, all right. So uh, let's go back to the start. How did you get started in collecting? Ah, well, actually, um, I was at a friend Carl's place. Oh, really? Legitimately. The, the yeah. Game Train Carl. The Game Train Carl. Yeah, 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 yeah. I uh, We were working together at JB Hi-Fi. He wouldn't stop talking about this game called Bioshock. Said I had to come over and check it out. And went around to where he was living at the time, and he had a, a whole game room and recording studio for his music set up in his garage. And we must have played till three or four in the morning, just yeah. exploring this gorgeous game. And uh, from there, it just got me back into video games and collecting again. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So that would have been what, 2007? Yeah, around 08, yeah. 07, somewhere around there. Yeah. All right, so then how did it progress from playing games in Kyle's garage to actually starting to amass awesome things? <laughs> um, well, yeah, I, I kicked off an Xbox 360 from work. And yeah. I still have that uh, box console here. Uh, it's in the wardrobe. And, um, yeah, basically I just got thirsty for new games and then started garage sailing with a, uh ex-partner of mine, and we ended up... Um, just every weekend, every Saturday morning, literally going garage sailing and just found so many gems for next to nothing. You'd just wander in these random garage sales and go, oh, look, there's like an original Super Mario Brothers 3 or, you know, and that's an example. Yeah, yeah. You'd be getting up at 4am, getting the newspaper, outlining a whole bunch of garage sales that looked interesting. Yeah. Going with 50 bucks in your pocket and some weekends you wouldn't buy anything. And the other weekend you would spend 20 bucks and literally come home with 50 games. It just depended. Wow, so yeah. over the years collected a lot of games. How many do you think you amassed over that time? Uh, it'd be around 2,500 at one point, I think I had, yeah. And that's ranging from like Atari through to, to modern stuff? Everything from Atari, literally. I didn't go lower than that, like Commodore 64, none of that really interests mm-hmm. me. Atari was my oldest console I probably collected, and maybe some ColecoVision. Yeah. And everything else was all the way through, and even Japanese variants, um, anything I could get my hands on that had cool box art or spoke to me in some way. And then at some point, I just was collecting games to try and get complete collections of Mega Drive games and Super Nintendo games. And Did you did you ever complete a collection? Came pretty close with the Mega Drive. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I had so many Mega Drive games for a while. It filled about three bookcases at one point. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Went a bit nuts. Tell us about some of the bargains you picked up along the way. You would have seen some things that were going for like bugger all, but you knew what they was worth there. Yeah. One, one time I was in Toowoomba in Queensland, mm-hmm. a little rural town there, and uh, I walked into a random like cash converters, but it wasn't cash converters. It was a no-name brand mother, father and son kind of deal. Yep. And uh, they had all these games in their cabinet, NES games, and I asked them if they had anything else out the back because everything they had in the cabinet was 30 bucks or more per cartridge. I was like, these are way overpriced at the time. Well worth it now, but back then. And they came out the back with this foam box full of cartridges and in there was Cogswell's Caper for Nintendo. Uh Really hard to get rare game, Jetson's game. Yeah. Boxed mint. They wanted $3 for it. (laughs) Had no idea. And they had Conker's Fur Day, Bad Fur Day for N64 Box Mint. Oh. 
Again, $3, because it wasn't a Mario title. That's all they cared about. That was the money ones, apparently. And that was banned in Australia, wasn't it, Conkers? At mm. one set? Or... Oh, I think it was, yeah. yeah. I remember renting it as a kid from our video store. That's how I knew about that game. Yeah. But super fun game. I yeah. remember back in the day, there was like a lot of controversy over it because of things that Conker did in that game. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of controversy. Yeah. yeah. Nice. So they're the two games I picked up for $3 each that were literally the best bargains I ever got. That's amazing. Have you still got those today? No, I sold them with the big bulk of the collection. The collector that ended up buying from me when I had a big cull yeah. in about 2013, yeah. they um, they wouldn't buy the collection if those two games weren't included. Wow. Because they knew, knew how valuable they were. He didn't know what I paid for them, but yeah. Wow. So tell us about some of the other rare items you've amassed over the time. A few little bits and pieces. I got this thing from Dreamcast, which was a Dreamcast game called Sega Gaga. Mm-hmm. Um, on the box it just says S-G-G-G and essentially it was a game where Sega really were realising their demise Yeah, <laughs> they knew they were going down the toilet <laughs> they knew they were falling out of the console market and the game market and essentially made a game where literally it's uh, you're working for Sega trying to stop the evil Nintendo corporations putting out bulk crappy games and you're a kid that's in charge of making decisions to try and save your favorite company, Sega. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. It's all in Japanese. I've never played it. I watch videos of people playing it that understand and read Japanese. But um, yeah, I managed to get a limited edition rare set of that. It's probably the rarest thing I have. How many of those were produced, do you know? I don't think it was more than a couple of hundred. Wow. Or, and that's might be too high even because it was just really for the Japanese market. It might have even been less. Wow. That's, that's insane. Yeah. Yeah. Also, you've got a... Um, a, a custom handheld Atari <laughs> yeah. that we, we had a look at before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to watch a lot of YouTube videos on people that mod consoles because mm-hmm. I always find that really interesting. People that are really innovative and electrical knowledge is not my strong point, so it's good to watch. Yeah. And there's a guy in there called Ben Heck, uh, the Ben Heck Show, and he makes consoles from scratch. He decided to see if he could hand wire an Atari on a PCP board and ended up uh, building one. 3D printing a case, setting up a little screen, putting a battery in there. Yep. And uh, and then they gave it away like six months later. And I won that competition and won this one-off Atari 2600 portable handheld. Yeah. <laughs> That's so cool. It actually takes full cartridges. It's not like it's a ROMs hack or something. It's like a proper hardware console. That's, that's great. Yeah. Oh, it's awesome. pretty rad. Do you ever sit down and just play some of your old collection? Just... Yeah. Kicks. yeah, yeah, I do. There's been games I wanted to play that I played as a kid, like Donkey Kong Country. Yeah. Uh, that I wanted to replay again because I just remember that having a massive effect on me on Super Nintendo. Just the music, the rain, the different, like, uh, seascapes you'd go through. So I clocked that. I play a lot of these old games that are, mean something to me. Nice. Sample other ones that other people like that recommend. You mentioned before about having to sell a lot of your collection. Yeah. What was it like going through trying to sell, like, all that stuff that you'd had amassed over all those years. I think, I think just, just to change the context here, I didn't have to sell it. I I did because I felt like it had grown out of control. I'd stopped buying when I moved to Melbourne. And when I moved to Melbourne, I sent 47 boxes here plus some furniture. 47? How big were each box? They were full tea chest boxes. Wow. 37 of those boxes were my games collection. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so that's when I realized I had a problem because my moving costs to Melbourne were like nearly $8,000 and most of that was because of my games collection. Wow. Um, so yeah, I decided at one point that it needed to go because I wasn't collecting things I was passionate about anymore. I was just buying stuff because I didn't have it. 
And, right. And it just turned into this thing where I realized, like, where am I going to be happy with this? Like, it's not, I'm not even enjoying finding stuff anymore. Like, yeah. There was nothing cool to find. I had everything I physically really cared about and wanted. Yeah. Like Street Fighter games or Resident Evil or Gran Turismo, Halo, all these games that meant something to me on various consoles. They were, I had them all. So, um, yeah, I decided to do a massive cull and put it out there and Kotaku got in touch. They were going to do really? an interview. Yeah. Did they end up doing an interview in the end? Uh, no, in the end, I didn't want to do the interview because oh. it was kind of getting awkward. They were like, wanted to pitch it towards, because I had a games company at the time. I built this game called Nom Nom Monkey. Okay. They were like, kind of like, oh, are you selling the games to be able to fund your struggling game dev career and i'm like no it's <laughs> one of the questions i got in one of the emails so i yeah. was like no nah, i don't think this is for me i don't know what angle you're trying to play this on yeah um i just i don't think they really understood why someone would sell a collection but yeah i didn't need to i just decided to because it was taking over two rooms in a house i lived yeah. in and it just I, I didn't play them all there was too many games to play as it as it would be when it gets to that sort of level but to answer your question yes it was very hard to sell <laughs> Yeah. When the guy came, I had so many people interested, they just wants bits and pieces. And one guy came and he had cash. And he was a young kid, maybe 22. And he just wanted to, he was so about retro games. He had like maybe 30 games himself and three consoles. Yeah. And he goes, I've got this much money, like a decent stack of cash. Yeah. And he's like, what are you actually willing to part with? And I opened up my Excel sheet of everything I'd cataloged that I had. And he basically brought about 70% of it. Wow. Yeah. How did you end up choosing what to sell and what to keep? Because I assume you would have kept a few things from... I was already keen on someone to bulk buy because previously when I culled doubles and extras and consoles I didn't really need, I'd always done it on eBay. And that turned out to be a logistical nightmare as the years got on. Just with freight, people claiming things didn't work when they got there. When mm -hmm. you well and truly tested it, sent them a video of it working or yeah. played the game before it left and sent them a video just so they couldn't claim stuff like that. And PayPal wasn't really on the seller's side. Right. You kept losing money all the time as far as them just taking it out until you proved otherwise. Mm -hmm. um, so in the end, I was like, I was just really keen for someone to just come and buy it. So I'd already kind of worked out what wasn't important to me. Stuff yeah. that I had as a kid, stuff that I've been given, I never sold. Yeah. If anybody ever gave me a game or something to add to my collection, it never got sold because oh. I didn't think that was a cool thing to do. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there was a lot of stuff I wouldn't sell and stuff that was important. So that's kind of how I narrowed it down. But it was, it was tough, man. Are there any items that you like fully targeted and took a long time to actually find in, in physical form in the end. Yeah. I um I, I played a lot of Morrowind on PC. Yeah. Back in the day, the Elder Scrolls. And it was one of the only games that I got into before I played Bioshock with Carl. Really yeah. before that for a big gap from when I was a young teenager to when Carl and I played Bioshock, I really didn't play any games. Mm -hmm. It was just Elder Scrolls for a couple of years there on a dodgy old PC. And that was one that I went hunting for for a long time because it was actually hard to find. You could download it on the net, but finding a physical copy of that game... Yeah. Just tough, yeah. And um, probably the other one that really evaded me for a long time was, yeah, The Conker's Bad Fur Day, which I found randomly after four years in that. Wow. In that, so uh, you'd been looking, couldn't find it, gave up. Couldn't um, find it at a good price. You could find uh, it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's eBay collectors. There's different classes of collectors. Collectors that'll be like, oh, it's 80 bucks on eBay. Oh, I found one for 60. Bang, I'll buy it. Yeah. I kind of like the hunt and finding it randomly and being like, that's so cool. Hearing somebody's story about it, if there is. Yeah. So yeah, that was that was the one I went hunting for for the longest. What's your favorite non-video game item, like a figurine or a, something like that you've like collected over the years? Yeah, that's really easy, actually. 
It's got to be my um, Resident Evil PlayStation controller. So the chainsaw oh, wow. controller in there. Oh wow! So that's yeah. what it is. I'm, I'm sitting yeah. here at the moment in, the, in this um, in this collection room that he's still got here, and yeah. uh, there's this chainsaw sitting in a in a case. I'm like, what's that? Okay, yeah. wow. Yeah, they made it for PS2, and they also made it for the GameCube, I believe, for Resident Evil Four. From memory. Oh right. Okay. Yeah. And uh, the cool thing about it is that it had like a gyroscope in it. So when you lifted up the controller in the game, it would actually make, like when you lift it up in real life, it would lift up the controller in the game and activate the controller. Wow. So okay. that's one cool thing. The second cool thing is they're really limited, as I think there was only a thousand of each made or something. Yeah. But the defining factor is every single one's different because the people on the production line, when they sprayed the red paint on it and the splatters, they'd use their own fingerprints to put fingerprints on it. Wow. Yeah, so every single one is individual. It's like a cool fact about those. Yeah. So how did you end up with that? Ah, uh, that was a garage sale find, yeah. Really? Yeah, I bundled that in with a PS2 and I think two games, and it was $20 a lot. Wow, <laughs> yeah. okay, nice. Yeah, it was a good find. Over the years you've been collecting and then selling and et cetera, et cetera. Like, what have you noticed about, like, you know, how it's changed over, like, that sort of decade? Yeah, I, I don't think I was into it before it was a thing. I think I was at the start when people were starting to realise what stuff was worth because sometimes you go to a garage sale and people wouldn't part with an old Xbox for $80 or less. Right. And you'd be like, it's not really worth that. You've just got a generic black original Xbox. It's yeah. not like it's a big deal. But sometimes they just wouldn't budge. But, um... I think people got savvy. I think that's what's changed. People yeah. got savvy. They're finding old Nintendos in their wardrobes and being like, wow, we've still got this box Nintendo from the 80s. That's yeah. got to be worth some money. Going on Facebook Marketplace and doing a quick search or eBay. Of course. People yeah. are on their phones 24-7. So I think that's what's changed the landscape is that it's no longer like you walk somewhere and be like, oh, wow. Hey, you've got one of those sitting there. What's that worth? And you know. So Yeah, you're yeah. right. That's worth that X amount of money. They've or, done the research yeah. with, in seconds because it's so easy to. Wow, yeah. yeah. Imagine doing this like back in like late 90s, early yeah, 2000s. Yeah, it would have been swap meets and garage sales, which is what I loved when I first started collecting in the early 2000s, yeah. What now? Like you've still got this, we're in the, sitting in this smaller <laughs> room now. There's still a lot here. We're talking 80 Amiibos. There is multiple GameCubes, Nintendo 64, Super Nintendo, etc., etc. What next? Are you going to keep collecting or just grab it something here or there yeah I, I just grabbed stuff here and there like after this tonight I'm actually going to pick up eight Sega Mega Drive games that I don't have <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah from a Facebook Marketplace sale that was quite cheap because um, I was kind of on the hunt for a specific like game so Street Fighter 2 really wanted again yeah I sold that in the collection and uh, yeah I found a guy that had eight games at a really cheap price and I was like hey and he's literally two minutes away from me in the same suburb so that's after this. But, um, yeah, so little dribs and drabs. Yeah. Really, as you can see in this room, which to describe it, it is packed to the rafters, and that's literally the way that I've rolled. i got no more room in here, so there's not a lot more I can add, but I think eventually I've got an arcade point blank, uh, point blank machine at my work, yep. uh, which is part of something to entertain customers while they're waiting to pick up their order sometimes, mm -hmm. and to blow off steam when we're frustrated at work. Yep. <laughs> but um, I think eventually to be a proper games room dedicated setup. So, like, a, a bigger room than just a two-by-three-meter room, yeah. Yep, yep. No, not really. Like, I mean, yeah, it's kind of hard to visually describe some of the things that, you know, 
you yeah. can see in here. But yeah, yeah. I, I guess a collection is one of those physical things, and yeah. it's very hard to explain. Yep. Um, and Carl, he does have Fallout seventy six here. If you are listening to this, <laughs> I know I know your feelings on that game. Oh, I played way <laughs> too much for the big edition with the helmet. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It's a nice helmet though. It is nice a nice. Helmet. It's a great helmet. Yeah. Nylon bag though. Uh, yeah, I did my claim. The oh, you sending, got the, you got yeah, the I claimed it, and they're going to send it in the end of 2019, start of 2020. <laughs> no way, that far away. <laughs> yeah, they sent me an email saying it'll be within 9 to 12 months. It'll be sorted, yeah. Wow. I put the claim in in January, yeah. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's not a quick process to fix a little Hessian bag, apparently. <laughs> no, it's not, yeah. Jesus. Well, they, yeah, okay, Bethesda really messed up with that one. Yeah, they dropped the All ball. right. Well, since we're wrapping this up, yep. as always on Game Train, we have to uh, do our little trains here. So mm-hmm. uh, let's roll into the lame train. What's something sort of gets on your nerves about the industry or you don't like? Or, yeah, I can answer this really easily, but it's not a super quick answer, but I'll try and keep it quick because we're no, wrapping it up. No, it's all good. Talk as long as you want. New consoles. The constant laziness of developers whether it's that games have gotten so big that the patches are that big or whether they just rely on the fact that everyone has unlimited internet and it doesn't matter if a patch is 40 gig every second day yeah every time i will turn on a brand new console i find myself having a shitty experience (laughs) mainly because there's a 20 gig update for the console itself like the ps4 or the xbox one yeah and then whatever game i want to play there's been seven patches since i played it last if it's been a few months yeah so like for example i put spider-man in my ps4 last night to finally have a crack at that game that everyone it's probably over now but it was a big thing you know three four months ago yeah um dude yeah it had a massive update for the console and a massive update for the game. Yeah. I think it finished installing at 1am and I went to bed and got up for work at 5 and was like, that was disappointing. <laughs> you know? Damn. Foresight, for me, I should have turned it on earlier to do this, but I'm just used to retro consoles where you turn it on and what was in that cartridge or on that disc, that was it, man. So that's that's lame, <laughs> I think, in the new industry. Uh, another quick question that sort of popped into my mind, um, talking about new consoles, always now we're seeing like all right monster hunter special edition of playstation 4 kingdom Hearts special edition of playstation 4 oh, spider-man yeah. edition of playstation 4 like yeah. as someone that used to collect how does that make you feel just seeing all this stuff does is it just like how could you even bother trying to get all that these days or exactly i i, I have like one of these um limited edition playstation 4s it's one of the 500 million consoles oh yeah yeah the see-through purpley blue opaque version it has a limited edition number and rose gold trimming but like that is literally stood out to me because it seemed like it's limited, it's rare, and they're not going to do this again. Yeah. But all the variants of like the Call of Duty Xboxes, the Minecraft Xboxes, yeah. like it's if unless you're into that game, that's the only people that are going to collect that stuff because you're not going to have 25 Xbox Ones just because there's all these variants. Yeah. Like, somebody might. There might be hardcore out there that are really into it. That's but that's going to be rare. Point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that's that's watered down these limited editions because they're not limited. They're doing a new one every couple of months. You're spot on. Yeah. All right. So uh, let's roll into the hype train. Hype train. What's something that you're excited for in the gaming industry? Something I'm really excited for is VR that's really accessible for yeah, everyone. Okay. So like, accessible. So like... I've played VR and enjoyed it. Yeah. But I think PlayStation VR is a bit compromised. Don't think it's right where it needs to be. It's kind of fun. Yeah. But the titles aren't there. It doesn't maybe have support for developers or it's hard to develop. I don't know what's on the back end there. Yeah. But I think once VR kicks in properly and it's easy, it's not heavy, it's not clunky, it's, 
you can kind of sit down and get good movement, not have to necessarily have a massive room for it. I think yep. that's what I'm excited for. Okay. Immersion, yeah. being immersed in a game. Okay, yeah. yeah. Yeah, like we've done a bit of VR stuff on Game Train now. Like I got a VR set for Christmas and that was yeah. my first real experience. Best one that stood out for me so far has been Beat Saber. It's just freaking really? hands down. What's that? Uh, it's a... Uh, whew, it's... It's a rhythm game yeah. where you hold two PlayStation Move controllers yeah. and symbols move at you and you've got to slash them with your lightsabers. Oh, I've seen videos of yes. that. I didn't know what it was called. Ah, yeah. oh, cool. That it, looks super fun. It's the best VR game I've played. So I've played a bunch now, but that hands down, boom. Have you amazing. played... Just one quick thing. Have you played Super Hot? No. So that's like a game where there's like time relation. Every time you move, time speeds up. When you stop moving time slows down right and it's kind of it's called super hot because you have three or four dudes running at you they're all polygon figures there's no faces to them yeah always white rooms with minimal cell shading but you've got to like work out what you're going to do and then once you start moving to do it everything speeds up and they'll be shooting guns at you huh so it's a strategy kind of work out the room how to kill these dudes without getting killed yourself that's super fun that's the only game i've played so far that grabbed me nice yeah well i Hands down, recommend Beat Saber as well. That's yeah, cool. It's a lot of fun, and that's on PS4. Uh, PSVR, yeah. PSVR, yep. okay, mm-hmm. yeah. I don't have that set up in here, but my brother does. I'll check that out. Yeah, I, I recommend you do. But yeah, Dan, thank you so much for joining us here on the platform. No, uh, thank, thanks for know, having us. We uh, we really appreciate your time and stuff. And yeah, like, no worries. Having a look, what sort of goes on in the mind of a collector and <laughs> and that sort of thing. Yeah, but yeah. um. Yeah, for those that want to keep listening to other Game Train stuff, you can find us at GameTrainPodcast.com, uh, on Instagram at GameTrainPodcast, on Facebook at Facebook.com slash GameTrainPodcast, or on Twitter at GameTrainTalk. But Dan, thank you so much for joining us here on the platform. It was my pleasure. Thanks. Thanks for coming to check out my little nerd room. (laughs) No problem. (laughs) All right. And this has been The Platform. 